today I am beginning a new series, and this is a series that is very special to me. If you could ever look at the things that I, I find to be important, this series that I'm going to be touching on is what I believe is the thing that has kept me for a while. I, I like to read my Bible. I, I, I love the Word of God. And God had me for months on end just focusing on this simple message that I'm going to be sharing today. And some of you might have heard sections of this message before when we were meeting at International Cafe and the projector didn't work once. I shared a part of this message. But I feel that what God wants us to do is expand this into an, a whole series of messages. And the series is called Friendship with God. Friendship with God. And if we could ever capture what God wants to say to us in this series, I think our entire lives are going to change. And so I'm going to be praying that God will speak to us through this series on friendship with God. And I have been praying for you guys because this is something that when we catch a hold of it, it is going to change our lives. I hear this on TV all the while. This message is going to change your life. Yeah, right. But this thing about being a friend of God will change your life. Not because I'm presenting the message, but because of the power of being in that close a relationship with God. So let me pray as we jump into this message. Lord, I thank you that after you created heaven and you created the earth and you have so many things, Lord, around the world that you could be concerned with. You choose to be friends with us. Lord, as we launch out into this series of messages, I pray that you would touch us. Touch us by the power of your word, Lord, and transform our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we're talking about friendship with God, I have to pose the question, who is a friend? And we have many definitions of friends. Maybe a friend is someone who will put his arms around you when you need a hug. And I have this little picture here that shows a friend hugging a friend. Maybe that's your, your, your view of a friend. Or maybe when you hear the word friends, you can think about this, this television series that started in... 1994 and ended in 2004. The series where 
everybody knows your name. And you want to be in this, this place that everybody calls you friend and you're, you're a good friend of everyone. Maybe that's your, your view of friendship. These days we have Facebook friends. And I don't know how many of you here are on Facebook, but I have some Facebook friends. And sometimes people ask me to be a friend, and I have to go to the pictures and say, now do I know this person? <laughs> and I have actually started a friendship with a few people online that I never, ever met. And then we called, and we spoke on the phone, and we have a relationship, and we pray. That's a friend. And the friendship is changing. And then in Jamaica, we have this saying, good friend better than pocket money. Do you have that, friend, that, that saying in America? <laughs> good friend better than pocket money. And that is important because sometimes you're in need, but I would prefer to have a good friend than have money. Then there is the BFF. Now, some of you older guys don't know what a BFF is. If you don't know what a BFF is, a BFF is a best friend forever. And so you have your BFF for five years <laughs> until you move to a different city, and then you have a new BFF, best friend forever. Then you have friends that you haven't seen for years, but when you meet upon those friends one more time, you say, it's just as if you never left off. You start talking, and it's as if you have been seeing this person for years. I'm going to show a very short clip of a movie, Toy Story. I think that's appropriate this year. And the reason it's important to show Toy Story, Steve Jobs died, and so in a little homage to Steve Jobs. We want to play this because Steve Jobs started Pixar and Pixar created this film called Friends and you will see his name on the screen. So let's, Toy Story. can see that there are friends and there are friends. And sometimes the friends we have, they say, with a friend like you, 
who needs an enemy. And sometimes we have friends that are not quite friends. So let's go right into examining this issue of being a friend with God. Because it's as if sometimes you have a friend that just is as if you have a tattoo on your hand. And, and every time that friend looks on their, your, your, their hands, it's as if they, they see your name. And I believe that God has that, that view of us when he thinks about us as friend. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe that when you're talking about a friend who sticks closer than a brother, there is one friend who wants to befriend us, who will stick closer to us than a brother. This whole idea of being friends with God is a revolutionary concept. You see, when the Bible talks about being a friend of God. This is not something that we hear every day. There are some religions that will see God as Father. And as we examine God as Father, we, you have Christianity, and then there is Mormonism, and you have Judaism. There is the Baha'i movement, and there is Krishnaism, and Vashnaism. And there are so many religions that see God as Father, the Heavenly Father, the one who created everything. And then there are some religions that see God as friend. And when we talk about God as friend, there are religions like Christianity and Judaism. And then there are some sects of Islam. The Sunni sect of Islam see God as friend because they see God as more of a personal being, whereas the Shias, they don't see God as being personal. But the idea of a God who sacrifices in order to make the friendship work is revolutionary and Christianity is the only religion that I have discovered so far where there is a God who will make real sacrifices to become a friend of the people that he created. And so we want to examine this whole thing of this friendship with God. Jesus Christ, in John chapter 15, verse 15, tells us very clearly, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So here we see how Jesus Christ is saying to his disciples, I have been with you for these last years and I have been walking with you and I've been telling you everything that the Father has shown me. I'm not going to call you a servant anymore. You are my friends. And sometimes when we hear that, we might think that this whole thing of God being a friend is a New Testament concept. But friendship with God is not a New Testament concept. In fact, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to take you to the very first book of the Bible. And I'm going to show how God considers friendship something very important. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then if we jump down a little bit further in the passage, we 
Read Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So what do we have here? God created everything, a garden, the birds, the sea, day, night, everything. And then when he was finished, he created man, and he looked back and said, That is very good. But then when we continue a little bit further in the passage, in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So let me tell you what's going on here. God created man perfect. And then after he created this perfect being, he stepped back and said, it's not good for this perfect being to be alone. Notice what the passage that I just read said before this. Because it said, God created man in his own image. So if God created man in his own image and in his perfection, man needed to have a relationship with somebody else. That is telling us something about God and his image. Because it means that God is also a relationship being. Because when God created man and he said, I think this man needs somebody, or I know that this man needs somebody to be a companion with him, then we can see that God also desires to have relationships. God desires to have a relationship with us. So now that we have established this backdrop of God wanting to be friends with us, let's look at Genesis chapter 5 which outlines the history of the first 10 generations of, of people. And if you have your Bible, I need you to open them to Genesis chapter 5, because I'm going to read the entire chapter. Because I think that this chapter is a very important chapter for us to understand this business of being a friend of God. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a, begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, begot, begot Seth the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years, and also, and begot Enosh. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh begot lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalalel. After he begot Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years 
and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot, begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot, begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This is a long passage, and it's a passage when we're reading the Bible, we stumble over it, and we think this is one of those passages that we just read, and it's not that important. But as I was reading it, I discovered something. This, this picture that we have on the screen, it's called the word cloud. And what a word cloud does is it simply takes all the words. You can do it with any passage, a love poem that someone gives you, and you put all the words in this this computer software, and it scrambles all the words and does it in a very nice pattern. And what it does is it gives you prominence. It gives prominence to the words that are more important. So when you look on this, this word cloud, you can see the words that are more important. Years, lived, father, became, sons, daughter. Those are the important words in this word cloud. But somewhere in this passage, if you would look, there is a little word right here, right above father, above the A in father, that says walked. Not very important in the passage you would think. But somewhere in the middle of all of this, this person had sons and daughters, and this person lived, and this person died. We see this word walked. And I think that this word walk is a pivotal word in the entire passage. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you some lessons that we can learn from this passage. Because sandwiched in the middle of all these verses, where people have been living and they died and have sons and daughters, we see a man, Enoch who walked with God. So lesson number one, 
Living is different from walking with God. Living is different from walking with God. Why do I say that? Because the passage shows every single person in this passage, in this long, boring passage that I was reading, that lived, but then all of a sudden, one person walked with God. So that's the first thing we learn from this passage. Living is different from walking with God. The second lesson we can learn is it is possible to walk with God and live a regular life. It's possible to walk with God and live a regular life because we can see that Enoch had sons and daughters. You know what that means? It means that Enoch was doing the deed. It means that Enoch was a married man. He had children. He was working. He was doing things. He was providing for his family. But while he was providing for his family and working and doing all the things, we just ended a series on God and work. While Enoch was doing all these things, the Bible tells us that he walked with God. Lesson number three. When you walk with God, you know his ways. When you walk with God, you know his ways. Because you see, think about this as you are working to do something. And the person who is in charge of the setup for Go Church, that's Ron. Ron comes every Sunday morning, beginning at 7 o'clock, sometimes a little earlier. He gets all the equipment out, sets things up. Now, let's say that you have been walking with Ron as he is setting up all the equipment. And then one day, Ron calls you and says, Chris, I am not able to come this morning. I thought I would have been able to, but an emergency has just happened. I want you to set up for me. You are not going to call Ron and say, Ron, where do I go to get the equipment? Where do I put the speaker? What do I do? You know why? Because you have been walking with Ron. And when you have been walking with Ron, you have been seeing the things he has been doing. You see that when he sets the, 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 this carpet on the floor, rug on the floor, he turns the piano keys this way. And so you, you turn the piano keys this way or you put the keyboard here because you have been walking with Ron all these years. And Enoch walked with God 365 years. So he saw the things that God was showing him. So God, Enoch didn't have to ask God, okay, God, what do I do about this situation? Because he is able to say, this is what God would do because I have been walking with him. You have this phrase that says, what would Jesus do? When you have been walking with God, you don't ask, what would Jesus do? Because you have stepped one more step, and you're now saying, what is Jesus doing? And then you move from, what is Jesus doing, to this is what Jesus would do in this situation. Because you understand it, because you have been walking with him through these years. You have been listening to his word, and you understand exactly what he's shown you. And so when a situation comes up, you don't have to question because you have been walking with God. You know his ways. When 
someone who is a prophet or has the gift of prophecy. What prophecy is basically is you hear what God says and then you speak what God says. But when a prophet has been walking with God, he doesn't necessarily have to hear God say something. The prophet can declare what God would say in that situation because he knows the ways of God. We're going to be talking about a prophet in a few weeks. We're going to be looking at the life of Samuel. And the Bible tells us that when Samuel spoke, none of his words fell to the ground. You know what that means? It means that when he spoke something, God said, because you have said this, I am going to do it. Because you have been walking with me. It's a friendship relationship. There's this man who gave this example where he went into a restaurant with this very prominent prophet. And the prominent prophet said, I, I don't want to sit here. I, I prefer to move across and sit in this corner because it's too busy in the center of the room here. And so they moved. And so this man asked him, what do you mean that it was too busy? Well, too much things was happening here. For example, that man, and he told him something about that man, and that waiter over there, he told him something about the waiter, and that person right there, and he was talking about everything that was going on with the different people in the room. And so this guy who was talking to this prophet got excited and said, wow, let's, let's, let's start, have a service right here. Let's declare that God is saying things because God is showing you things about everybody in the room. And so he tested, he asked the waiter, Waiter, are you the server? Are you this? And he, he explained everything, and they were right on point. And he said, no, no, no. I'm not going to start and announce anything. And he said, but why do you think that God would, would show you all these things if he doesn't want you to preach in this meeting? And the prophet said to this man, oh, that's just what he does because I'm his friend, so he just tells me everything. When you walk with God and he is your friend, he will tell you things. Lesson number four. When you walk with God, it affects the people around you. When you walk with God, it affects the people who are around you. We're just looking at six verses from Genesis chapter 5 and, and seeing some of the, the truths that God is bringing from this passage. But when you walk with God, it affects all those who are around you. If we look at the, the chart, this chart with Genesis chapter 5, and you can't see it very well, but it shows the different, the ten generations from Adam. And when we look at this chart, what you'll notice is that right here, we have, where am I? Here we go. That's Enoch. Enoch was 65 when he had Methuselah, you see Methuselah, his son. And notice that Methuselah lived 969 years. In other words, Enoch taught Methuselah the way to live. And as he taught his son how he should live, his son was able to live longer than anybody else alive. And then notice that Enoch 
had Methuselah. Methuselah had Lamech. And Lamech was the father of Noah. In other words, Enoch's grandson still was able to teach him the way to live. And then the son of Lamech was able to say, I am going to live these principles that my grandfather was living. My great-grandfather was living. And therefore, his life was blessed. Because we will see in a few moments how Noah, Noah also walked with God. So let's number five. In this passage, so many different lessons we can glean. But this lesson I find to be a very important lesson. And if you will remember just one lesson from Enoch, I want it to be lesson number five. Being taken is different from dying. Being taken is different from dying. What do I mean by that? Enoch did not die, but the Bible tells us that the Lord took him. In other words, Enoch was the first person raptured. God had a friendship relationship that was so good with Enoch that God said, I cannot bear to be away from my friend anymore. I want him now. But notice that in the passage, it tells us that this person was taken and he did not see death. And what this is saying to me right here is that it is possible for you to be taken into heaven, into seeing the holies of holies without having to face death. I'm going to stay on the previous slide a little bit longer because there are some important things for us to mention about this previous slide. The first thing is, if being taken, go back, if being taken is different from dying, then it means that you can be taken without dying. Following me? If being taken is different from dying, you can be taken without dying. If you can be taken without dying, then it means that you can be taken and returned without dying. Still following me? And if you can be taken and returned without dying, then we can see why it's possible for us as Christians to have heavenly experiences. And this is why this message is so important, because we have gotten to the stage where we are so satisfied with a warm goose feeling, goosebump feeling in a Sunday morning service. We have gotten to the stage where we feel that if we feel the presence of God during worship, that is the ultimate. But there is more that God wants from us. God wants us to have a relationship that is so close with him that he wants to keep you and he is going to either visit you or he is going to take you into heavenly places. I am sharing this message and 
Normally what you do is you share a message after you have had the experience of everything that you preach. And so I have to give a little caveat here. Because I have not had this experience as yet. But there have been situations where people have had heavenly experiences. And let me explain what I'm talking about. I have had an experience where I'm, I'm sleeping and in the middle of my sleep, the entire room changes and I feel an energy surrounding me. And then all of a sudden, I feel myself being lifted, being lifted, being lifted. And it's as if I'm going up, going up. And it used to scare me. Because I'm wondering, why am I just, just ascending like this into, into the skies? And, I'm, and sometimes I'm seeing stars around me. And I'm, sometimes I'm seeing the stars below me. And I'm, I'm wondering what's going on. And I, I used to wake up until I heard someone share a testimony about how that exact thing that I was experiencing happened to them. And they found themselves in the throne room of God. It's possible to have heavenly experiences. When the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we get throne room experiences where we see God, then we can bring the things that we see in heaven to earth. And we can say, Lord, just as I have seen the worship in heaven, I want to see that here, and I'm going to not stop until I experience on earth what I have experienced in heaven. We might think, oh, no, 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 this is just an Enoch thing. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day when he heard a voice from heaven, and the voice said, come up here. And when he went up there, he saw God in heavenly places. And what I'm saying to us, my brothers and sisters, this morning is, let us not be satisfied by touching, lay, laying hands on someone and they get healed. Let us not be satisfied by having a personal revival. Let us not be satisfied by feeling the presence of God in the meeting. Let us not stop until we have had a personal encounter with the Most High God. I want go church to get hungry. Because the Bible was not written for us to read these, these nice, fancy things. And then after we read these nice, fancy things and we, we turn around, we say, wow, that was good in those days. The Bible was written as an example for what we should look for, for what we should expect in our own lives. And so I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, do not stop until you find God in that secret place. That's what Enoch was able to do. And while he was living and while he was working and while he was doing all of his activities, he found a time where he could just stop and spend time with God. What am I saying to you? I'm saying it's time we get back to that secret place where we spend time with God and say, Lord, I don't have anything to ask you right now, but I want to be your friend. I want to stay with you because you are good, because I love you, because you are wonderful, because you are merciful, because you are kind, because you are just. I just want to be with you, God. 
And notice where I started. I started by showing us how God desires friendship. And I believe that when Go Church gets to the place where we desire God so much that God will feel that he will deny himself if he doesn't come and be among us. God wants our friendship, and when we want his friendship so much and we fall in love with him, he will manifest himself. And so, let me summarize what we have looked at, the five lessons that we have learned from Enoch. First of all, Enoch not only lived, but he walked with God. Second, he did so while living his regular family life, while working, while earning. Third, he walked with God, and so he was able to see what God was doing. He knew God's ways. Fourth, it affected his children and his children's children. Five, he saw heaven without seeing death. And we can see heaven without seeing death. We can have Jesus Christ walk in the room. It's happening all around the world right now. Muslims are, are having experiences where they're praying and Jesus enters the room. It sounds strange, but remember, the person who wrote the most books in this Bible, Paul, 14 books, he wasn't a disciple of Jesus Christ. But Paul saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him and taught him. And so he was able to talk things and, and explain lessons that God himself, that Jesus himself showed him. And I believe that Jesus will do the same for us. But let's hurry on right now and let's look at Noah. Because in this passage in Genesis chapter 5, we see two examples of people who walked with God. First, it was Enoch. And then we get to chapter 6. And I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. Where after man filled the earth, man became wicked. And verse 6, nine, six takes it up. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he had grieved, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Wow. This passage, Genesis chapter 5, he, it kept me, you know when you're having your devotions and you want to just read the Bible and it keeps you in one chapter for a while? That chapter 5 kept me for about six months. And then when I felt the release to leave chapter 5, I went to chapter 6. And then I saw Noah walked with God. And I said, okay, I, I think I'm going to be here for a while. 
And I believe that God wants us to, to, to learn some lessons from Noah. So the first lesson is, you can walk with God in spite of the evil all around you. Notice that the earth was so vile and wicked that God said, I am going to destroy the earth. But yet, in the midst of that, Noah walked with God. So that's the first lesson we can learn. You can walk with God in spite of evil all around. Next, lesson two. When you walk with God, the Lord's eyes will be upon you. Notice what it says in verse 8. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When you're walking with God, God's eyes are upon you. He is seeing what you're, what you're doing. When you're having this personal relationship with him, when you're having your devotion, you're praying, you're spending time with him. His eyes remain on you. Sometimes you are you're living your life and you're wondering, where is God because I'm going through these things and it doesn't feel as if, as if God is with me. It's easy to get God with you. Spend time worshiping him. And when you spend time worshiping him, you don't have to look for him. You know why? Because he is going to find you. Because his eyes are on the people who love him and the people who are walking with him. Lesson number three. When you walk with God, the Lord will tell you his secrets. God decided that he was going to destroy the earth. But he said, I cannot destroy the earth without telling my friend. And God will tell you his secrets. Just as in that example I gave with that prophet, who as he sat down, God started to share secrets with him. Because you know what? You have a friend. Your friend wants to talk to you. That's how a friendship relationship is. You talk, they talk. You, you're silent, they're silent. It is a give and take. And God wants to talk and share his secrets with you. When you're a friend of God, he is going to tell you his secret. You're, you're, you ever wonder why some prophets are able to just stand in front of a group of people. And as they stand in front of a group of people, they don't know what they're going to say, but they just start talking. It's as if God is just showing himself to them. And he's just revealing. The revelation runs deep. It runs deep. It runs deep because God is showing his secret. Lesson number four. The Lord will do everything to protect you, his friend. God said, I am going to destroy the earth. But then he gave Noah the plans to escape from that destruction. Because he knew that his servant, his friend, would be destroyed with everyone else. And God said, I am going to protect my friend. And so just as God gave Noah this intricate plan to build this ark and bring the animals in and this blueprint to do this and, and do that and do this, and he told him exactly how he wanted it done, it's the same thing with us where when we spend time with God and we become truly his friends, he will show you his plans. He will give you his secret plans. He will protect you. The Lord is going to show you how to do things. And when you, you're wondering, how do I live and how do I function in this situation? God will say, don't worry. This is what you should do. 
we just lost a great man this week who created the iMac and the iPhone and the iPad and some people might say there is nothing left to be invented. Let God show you his precise plans. When God gave Noah the plans and the blueprint to create an ark, the world did not know that it needed an ark. When God gives you the ideas he will give for you, the creative ideas that he wants you to have, the world does not know that it needs the jugadu. The world does not know that it needs the bingish. Whatever that thing is that you are going to invent, the world doesn't know that it needs it as yet. But when you spend time with God, he will show you the plans to live. He will show you new inventions. He will show you things that you have never seen. The Lord says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Because he wants to show us his secret plans. Number six. When you walk with God, even your kin is covered. Notice that God didn't just take Noah, but he took his wife, children. Your kin is covered. Some of us, we're praying for our brothers and sisters. We're praying for spouses. We're praying for cousins and nephews and nieces. God wants to save your family. And he will show you ways that you can reach them. And he will say, I am going to spare this person because of my friend. When you walk with God, your kin is covered. Number seven. This is an important one. Walking with God is a walk of obedience. You see, I've been talking about walking with God, a friend walking with a friend. And there's a saying, liberty comes through carelessness. Sometimes when you walk with a friend, they start not treating you as if you are the person you are. The President of the United States right now, he has these friends who he will play basketball with. And now that he's president, he still plays basketball with them. And so they'll be on the field and they'll be playing and he will be getting an elbow in his nose and so on. But at the end of the day, they call him Mr. President. Because they understand that even though they are his friend, they still need to show respect to this person who is their friend. And the fact that we are going to be walking with God doesn't mean that we're going to walk with God and live a life of carelessness. It doesn't mean that we're going to start disrespecting God because he is still holy. He is still righteous. He's still just. And so we need to show him due respect. And Moses, even though Noah, even though Noah was his friend, he still obeyed him. When God said to Noah, no, I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? Because there was no ark like that before. But when God showed him that you need an ark, 
Noah was obedient. And so the final comment I want to make about a lesson from Noah, and this is also a lesson from Enoch. When you walk with God, God walks with you. We hear Enoch walked with God. We hear Noah walked with God. But when they walked with God, God was also walking with them. I wonder how many of us this morning realize that we need to walk with God. You have been living a Christian life and your life has been okay. Your life has been good. You have been having your devotions. You have been doing the things that you feel that you should do. But you need a closer walk. I like that song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. We need a closer walk with God. I desire a closer walk with God. And I have said to God, Lord, I will not stop until you take me up or you come down, but I must have this relationship with you. And even if I experience that, I want to keep experiencing that because I need him, because I have now fallen in love with him so deeply that I need him to do it more and more and more in my life. My brothers and sisters, we need a closer walk with God. We need a closer friendship with God. You see, God calls us friend. And that song we sang this morning, I am a friend of God, is so important for this series. But I want us to not only have God say, he's my friend, but for, for God to really think of you as his personal friend because there are friends and there are friends. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. God, we need a closer walk with you. Lord, I ask that you would fill our thirst, Lord. And where we are not thirsty enough, I ask you, Lord, make us thirsty for you. Lord, I pray for each person here this morning. Oh, will you not touch us, Lord? Will you not fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit? Grant that we will become your friends, Lord. Not just to, to sing a song that we don't experience the friendship and the fellowship of knowing you. But I ask you, Lord Jesus, that we will truly be your friends indeed. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch your people. May we walk with you, Lord. 
may we experience you, Lord. Oh God, I thank you that you desire our friendship. I thank you, Lord, that you desire to be with us, Lord. So come, Jesus. Lord, when we think that we know you enough, may we never be satisfied, Lord. May we never be satisfied with just seeing you from afar, Lord. But come, Jesus. If there's anyone here this morning who you have been on the outskirts and you need to draw closer I'm going to ask you to stand this morning you need a closer walk with God I'm just going to ask you just, just stand this morning standing, I'm going to say one final prayer for you, but I'm going to ask if you have never met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You haven't even started to walk with God. I'm going to ask you to just come right to the front now. I know it's my, it might seem weird that I'm asking you to, to walk, but I'm asking you to come to the front if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because He wants to have that relationship with you. If you're like that, come. Come and we will pray with you so that you will know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come forward. My brothers and sisters, I pray that the thirst of the Holy Spirit will fill your life. I pray that you will become so thirsty that you will never be satisfied until you have had a mountaintop experience of walking with God. Now, my brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom shalom his perfect peace now go into all the world and proclaim the friendship of God and know that as you go the Lord Jesus Christ is with you even until the end of the earth Amen, amen, amen. 